bag. Thank you, musicians. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, I cannot explain uh, how God knows our future. I've studied it. Hallelujah. There we go. I've studied it. I've read a couple books just on how God knows our future. And it is, it is, to say the least, one of the most interesting but complex subjects out there. The reason, the, the reason for the complexity is because we are free will beings. We're free will beings. Amen. At any moment, we can decide to choose to do one thing or another. Amen. And if we're free will beings, then how does God know what we're going to choose? Because if he knows, then are we really free will beings? The books that I've read on it, I get into the complexity of all that. Uh, but, but one of the things that I've taken away from my studies of it is this. He's built the roads. The highways are built. He knows people are going to get on the highways. He knows. Amen. And he's trusting that you're going to make the right choices in life to get on God's highway. Amen? Hallelujah. And he knows that if you don't make the right choice, he'll make another road. You ever been in big cities where you can take three or four exits to get the same place? Three or four entrances to get onto the same highway? Amen. Church, if you make the wrong choice and don't get on God's highway, he's got another entrance somewhere. He's got one. He's got a way for you to get back into his will. Amen. And so he knows. He knows the way that we take. Amen. And I trust him. I trust him that he's got this perfect will for my life. If I'll just listen to him. Revelation 19, 11 through 13. Revelation 19, 11 through 13. Amen. In Jesus' name. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. And this is significant because the white horse in uh, Zechariah is a, it, it's a horse of battle. It's a horse of battle. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. The actual word in the Greek is diadem. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus is right. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. God, this is, this is simple. But Lord, it's, if we can digest what it is you have given to me to give to this church this morning, I believe that it'll help us stay on the road. It'll help us get home. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, you may be seated. I'm always thinking about titles for sermons. And, uh, I, I, you know, you, you have cool Titles that have double meanings. Uh, I, did, I didn't realize Winter Fire, uh, you know, we thought it was about history, but it was, it was, it was just as much his story as history. <laughs> um, but this morning, it's pretty simple.
King of kings and Lord of lords. <laughs> he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no play on words there, church. He's our king. And he is the king of kings. And he is our Lord. And he's the Lord of lords. Amen. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful that I worship and serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Church, I think this scripture probably scares the devil to death. And not only is he scared of this scripture, but I think the world is scared of this scripture because it's not talking about the rapture of the church. It's talking about the literal return of Jesus Christ. And he smites the devil. He smites the nations at Armageddon. You see, the devil is, the Bible calls him the God of this world. He's the God of this world at present at the present time. And church, he's not going to give up without a fight. He is not going to give up without a fight because if he can fight and fight and fight and just make, make one scripture a lie from God, just one, if he can just prove God wrong in one thing, then he wins. And so he's fighting and fighting and fighting. But Jesus is going to come. There's a point where Jesus is going to say, enough, right? I mean, I, I was, my parents had four kids in five years, and I'm, some of you no doubt can beat that. I'm out, I know my wife's family can beat that easily. But, but uh, my parents had four kids in five years, and we all had hypertension. And there were times, you know, you hear the joke, you know, the, the parents, you know, driving in the car, we had the country squire. You know, and dad turning around and saying, if you don't knock it off, I'm going to pull this thing over. Right? I mean, we hear the jokes about it, but church, I, I can show you the part on, on Highway 17 between Kirkwood and Windsor. When it was the old Route 17 where, you know, it wasn't the highway. I can show you the place where my dad pulled that country squire over, got my brother and I out of that station wagon and whooped us. Because we wouldn't knock it off. Right? There's going to be a point where Jesus is going to say, enough of this. I'm coming back. The rapture will take place. We'll be changed. We'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the clouds. And then he's going to come back and start his seven-year campaign. And he will be on a, 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 a white horse. He'll be, he is going to come back as a battler. He is going to get ready to whoop Satan in church. He is Satan's afraid. Because it, it, it's going to be over. There's going to be a day. Jesus is going to split the clouds. He's going to come on his white horse with the saints of God. And the nations will see him. And there's going to be confusion. They're going to be confounded. Wait, wait. We thought you were a story. We didn't know you were real. Oh, he's going to put his feet on Mount Olives. It's going to be a wonderful time for Israel, for the nation of Israel. But it's going to be a fearful time for the nations and the people who knew not God. And he will come with many crowns, not just one. He will be crowned with many crowns because he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And it's interesting that he has more crowns and victories than any earthly king has ever had. 
And yet, Jesus never had an army in the traditional sense of an army. I mean, we're in the Lord's army. But not in the traditional sense where, you know, the lost drives a tank and I fly an airplane. He's never handled a sword. I don't read in, the, in, in any of the Gospels where Jesus picked up a sword and, and, and fought somebody. Right? However, today, church, he stands as the greatest conqueror. He stands as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, with many crowns upon his head. On his head, he, he, he is crowned the king of heaven. His empire is higher than the heavens, church. His empire is lower than the lowest hell. Has anyone here ever studied the Roman Empire uh, to see how far it stretched? You know, and so what they'll, they'll find roads, you know, as they're doing excavation work. The Roman Empire, I mean, it stretched north of England. It stretched, you know, south into Africa. It was, it was quite an empire. I'm telling you, church, that, that David said, there is no place I can go that God's not there. The kingdom of God in the, in the crowns that Christ wears, he wears crowns from the kingdoms of heaven. Church, he wears crowns from the kingdoms of hell. He's defeated hell. And he probably on his way out said, hey, is there a crown for this kingdom? And Satan had to turn it over to him. You're the king of hell. You're the king of heaven. He's the king of my life. He's the king of everything. He's the king of kings. Right? I am, he said, I am. His empire reaches everywhere. There is no other God, right? There's no other God. He is it. He is Jesus Christ. And he has the right to wear the crown as the king of heaven. On his head, he is crowned with creation. All things were made by him. And there was not anything made that was made without him. By his words, mountains are created. By his word, he carved valleys. He created light. Let, it, let there be light. He brought forth seas. He balanced the clouds. He molded every atom uh, by his word. He created the star, the sun, the moon, the planets. He created all the forces, gravity, etc. He hung the worlds on his word. Everything that he's created has to obey the voice of God. He is the king of kings. Hallelujah. He has the right to wear the crown of creation. He controls the destiny of man and the destiny of angels. And he guides the church with the spirit. I tell you, our sinful world may be out of control, and it is. But Jesus doesn't lose control. Jesus may allow sin to grow in the harvest, but at the, that, that harvest, he is going to turn in his sickle. And he is going to burn the tares. He is going to burn those who refuse to live for him. He holds the world in his hands, church. He holds the world in his hands. He holds the stars in his hands, the mountains in his hands, the valleys, the rivers, the seas. He holds you and me in his hands. And he has the right to wear the crown of 
providence. The, he has the right to wear the crown of, of grace. He's the one who offers us grace. He's the one who offers us his perfect will for our lives. He has the right to hold that, to carry that crown for me, right? He's got a will for your life. He has a right to wear that crown. He's got a right to wear the crown of grace. Anyone here need grace this morning? I know the King of Kings who wears the crown of grace. I know him. Hallelujah. He's defeated it. He's defeated it. He is the winner. He gives grace. He gives the water of life. And it's flowing from his throne. So church, we sit here this morning. We, we worship here this morning. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the resurrected Christ, the Almighty God. We worship him because he's won. He's defeated everything. He has the right to wear these crowns. Hallelujah. But church, think about this. He laid down so many crowns 2,000 years ago to become the king of humanity. You see, if you're going to be the king of something, you, you have to be part of it. So he had to become one of us to become our king. He is the king of humanity. And there's been kings in the past who tried to become the king of humanity. Nebuchadnezzar tried to become king of humanity, but he failed. Napoleon tried. He failed. Alexander the Great tried, but he failed. Hitler tried. He failed. Only Jesus Christ is the king of all humanity. And he did it by dying on Calvary for the whole world. He gave his life for the whole world. And no other earthly king can take upon himself the crown of the king of humanity. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Only Jesus Christ paid the price. Only Jesus Christ bears the scars of our redemption. Amen. Thomas, look at, look at the, the hole in my side. Look at the holes in my hands. He bears the scars of his humanity. It's a, they, I don't know if you've ever read about the, the theological discussion that, that, that is, does the Almighty God have these scars that he'll have for an eternity? It's, it's, a, it's probably not worth looking into, but, but, but church, it is out there. I've read some stuff on it. I can't tell you whether, whether he will or won't, uh, but I can tell you right now, Jesus Christ, amen, our Redeemer, has the scars on his hands and in his side and from the crown of thorns and the stripes on his back. By his stripes, we are healed. That's present. That's present text. That means he still has his stripes. So we can still be healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so he has the battle scars. He has the holes in his hand. How about battle scars, huh? <clears throat> Have you ever heard uh, somebody say that they fight depression? They fight depression. <clears throat> uh, fighting, if somebody says, I am fighting depression. They're not talking about passing depression on the street and having depression say to them, I don't like the shoes you're wearing. I don't like your hair or your lack of hair. 
That's not fighting depression, right? I mean, all of us know of, of a bully in school. Maybe you were the bully. Maybe you're the one being bullied in elementary or junior high, and that, that kid just wouldn't stop. Even if you weren't involved in it and you were watching it from a distance, you know, you're, you, you, they, they wouldn't stop. They would focus on that one person who maybe didn't have the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, 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 the ability to stand up for themselves. And that bully wouldn't stop every day. They'd pick on that kid, steal their lunch money, you know. You know what I'm saying. That's, that's, when you battle depression, that's what you're doing. Depression is that bully that every day, every day, you're fighting it. And it's telling you you're not good enough. It's telling you you failed. It's telling you you're worthless. It's telling you you have no value. And depression is so cruel, it'll tell you, give it up. Give it up. Give it up. If you have fought depression or you know somebody has fought depression, it's real. It is. And you have, you have people who lose the battle. Lose the battle. I uh, uh, had a good friend growing up. My mom's last friend who's still alive, Serena. Her uh, son, Eric, uh, lost the battle. Lost the battle. Uh, at the age of 15, he went to the tallest building in Binghamton and jumped off. Just could not win the battle. And you knew he was battling it. I mean, we all knew he was battling it. You have uh, Van Gogh, lost the battle. But then you have ones who win the battle. This is not a depressing sermon I'm preaching. You have... You have Winston Churchill. Anyone ever study him? Manic depressant. He won the battle. You needed somebody like him in World War II. You did. Who could look at things darkly and say, hey, we're going to get through this. If you just had some happy-go-lucky guy in the middle of World War II as England's being bombed every day, the happy-go-lucky guy would have about three days in. I quit. I quit. Get me out of here. But Winston Churchill said, oh, I've been bombed every day my whole life because I fight this every day. We're going to get through it, you know? Amen. And so you can win those battles. You know Florence Nightingale, she was a manic depressant. She fought the battle. She won. But you only get to wear the crown when you win the battle. Right? Hallelujah. I'm preaching on Jesus Christ this morning. He has the right to wear the crown of humanity upon his head because he's conquered death when no one else could. He's, he, he conquered sin when no one else could. He conquered suffering when no one else could. He's conquered sorrow and church. The devil's even conquered Satan. He conquered them all. He won. He, he, he suffered. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. He descended into hell, the Bible says. 
He descended before he ascended. He gave gifts unto good men. He set captive free. Church, it sounds like defeat, but it's not because he won. He fought all these battles. They weren't just passing by and, 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 and just grazing. He fought suffering. He fought death. He fought hell. He fought the grave. And he won every one of these battles. He is the only king who has ascended out of hell. The only one. Napoleon didn't ascend out of hell. Alexander the Great didn't. Nero didn't. Hitler didn't. Jesus Christ is the king who came out of hell. He won. And he stands today supreme as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And upon the head of this king, according to Revelation, he wears many crowns. But there's one crown that he's waiting on that he cannot wait to wear. I call it, I call it the bridegroom crown. I believe we are living in the rapture generation. Amen. Have y'all been, been part of a wedding? I was thinking about, and to this day, uh, I know that there was something else going on the day that Delos and Brielle got married. I just don't recall what it was. And I didn't go to get to go to your reception at Newtown, Newfield Battle, Newtown Battlefield. I didn't get to go. And, and whenever I pass by there, it always crosses my mind. I wish I had gone. I don't remember what was going on that day. It was something at Mansfield. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, um, but, you know, there's always preparations for weddings, you know? You got to get a hall. You got to decorate it. You got to do this. If, if you're getting married in the church, you know, you put up flowers. You do, you, you know, you, you prepare it. And, and then that moment, you know, I remember the moment that I got married and I was standing, you know, there with Brother Green and Felix and, and the others. And, 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 and the wedding song began to play and the doors opened and, and here comes Sister Bag uh, 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 with, with her dad. And, and oh, my heart was just, oh, she's so gorgeous. I can't believe I'm marrying this gorgeous. You know what I'm saying, guys? And it's... You know, it's all just amazing. I'm telling you, church, Jesus has prepared a place for us. It is like he has gotten the, the reception hall ready. He's, he's hired the band. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's gotten the best food. He's hired the best chefs. He's decorated it out. It's, it's ready. He's hired the limousines. He's got, you know, he's got the, the he, he's got his best man. He's got the witnesses. Perhaps the 24 witnesses are just part of the wedding party. I've never thought about that till just now. You know, maybe they're all just part of this huge wedding party. I think we had eight in ours. It was crazy. We just kept inviting people. Hey, you want to be in the wedding? Oh, I did. Yeah, I guess so. But, but, you know, and he's just so excited. And then, church, when that rapture takes place and, and those doors open and we walk in, don't you think it's going to move him? I mean, he died for us. Right? I mean, he's going to look at the, the, the scars on our hands and say, there's the lost of Brielle. Hallelujah. They're here. They're here. They're here. Thank God, thank God. Bill's here, thank God. 
Hallelujah. Church, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be beyond amazing. As, as we all walk in as the bride of Christ. And he's up there and his heart's beating. Oh, there they are. They're so beautiful. Hallelujah. They're finally here. They're finally here. We, and we gather with him and then we, we eat at, the, at the, you know, the dinner of the Lamb. Amen. In church, I mean, this is, I've studied Revelation enough to, to believe, to, to feel confident that this is how it's going to happen. Hallelujah. And at that, the end of that, that, that feast, Christ at one point is going to stand and say, all right, now it's time to take back that which I've purchased. It's time to take it back. Who's in? Amen. Brother Ted, probably the first one. I'm in Christ. Amen. I'm in, Brother Mike. I'm in. I'm in, Sister Donna. And we are going to follow him as he rides that white horse. And we are going to take back with him what's rightfully ours. You see, you see, the deed to this property has been purchased. Study the Old Testament. Jeremiah would bury the deed. He would bury it. Amen. And it would stay safe. And then there'd be a second copy of it. Amen. Church, Christ has the deed to this property. And he's going to come back and he's going to take what's rightfully his. And we are going to be with him. And church, how do I know what's going to happen? Because he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. There's not going to be a kingdom here that's going to say, sorry, Jesus. You, our property is annexed from your deed. It's not going to happen that way. He's taking it all. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. Hallelujah. I believe, church, that we're living in this rapture generation. That there's going to be any moment that trump could sound and we will be caught up in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, man. The chairs will be in place. The, the fine china will be polished. We are going to be with Rahab and Rachel and Paul, the apostles, Peter. We're going to be with them all. Uh, Dorcas, we're going to be with everyone. We are going to go to the mountain of God. We are going to cast our crowns at the feet of the Lord. And he is going to be crowned. We used to sing when my wife and I first got in church. Our pastor loved that song. We'd sing it all the time. time. Crown him, Lord, bring forth that royal diadem. Amen. And we had a deaf ministry, and, and uh, Sister Husband would, you know, I mean, she was so emotional in how she did it, you know. Boy, she would just do the sign language and, and you know, crown him, Lord of Lords. And then the whole church would get into it. We would sing that same song, just that, that one part of it. We would do it over and over as the Holy Ghost moved because we would just go deeper in our minds. There is coming a day. <laughs> That we're, it, it's all worth it. Your crown of righteousness, your crown of rejoicing, amen. Your, your crown of perseverance, you're going to cast it all at the feet of Christ. Because you're going to realize that they all belong to Him. We're saved because of Him. That any righteousness we have is because of Him, because of His blood, because of the cross. And we are going to cast our crowns at His feet. Amen. And, and most likely we will sing a song like that. Crown Him, Lord of Lords. Amen. Behold, I come quickly, Jesus said. 
Hold fast that which you have. No man, that no man take away thy crown. Church, hold fast. Hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to it. I mean, don't let go. Hold fast to the teaching of your pastor. Amen. Hold fast. Hold fast to your faith in God. Hold fast to it. Trust that he's got the perfect highway of his will for your life. Trust that, that it's perfect. Just get on it. Just get on it. Hold fast to the Holy Ghost, to the name of Jesus Christ. Hold fast to holiness. Hold fast to the fact that Christ has purchased you with his own blood. That he is the king of humanity. He's the king of you. Don't let anyone take your crown. Don't let the devil take your crown. Church, I tell you, I don't, I don't want to sound depressive, but I tell you, Satan was after Judas's crown, and he lost it. He lost it. He lost his mansion. He lost his soul. He sold it for 30 pieces of silver. Church, is not worth it. I don't care what the bargain is. Judas, if you'll just do this one thing, we'll allow you into the courts of the, of the temple. It's not worth it, Judas. It's not a wise choice. And the devil took his crown. 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, I'm almost done, Sister Bag. Talks about the incorruptible crown. It's those who faithfully run the race, who, who crucify every fleshly desire and point men to Christ. That incorruptible crown who will run whatever race it is God has set before you, whatever the race is. I'll run it, Jesus. I'll run it. Amen. Even if it means suffering, even if it means, even if it means sorrow, I'll run this race that you've set before me. I will run it. You have the crown of rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians, Daniel 12. It's those who witness the saving grace of God to those who don't know him. Leading souls, simply put, leading souls to Christ. It's the crown of rejoicing. Telling others about his grace, about Jesus Christ, about the greatest thing in their lives. The Lord said that he'll give us that crown. You have the crown of life in James 1 and 12. It's those who endure trials, tribulations, even death. That's why it's called the crown of life in the context of James. is because at that time period, people were dying for Jesus Christ. Right? Peter was crucified upside down. Paul's head was cut off. James, I believe, was pierced asunder. They tried to boil John in, in oil, and so you had the crown of life. The martyr's crown, some people call it. Those who endure hardship for Jesus, for the word of God. Willing to die. Right? Jesus told one of the churches in Revelation, Revelation 2 and 10, Do not fear those things which you are about to suffer. For the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you'll have tribulation 10 days, but be faithful unto death. And I'll give you a crown of life. Be faithful unto death. Amen. Amen. The crown of righteousness. Those, we, we anxiously appear, according to 2 Timothy 4 and 8, those who live good and righteous lives for Jesus Christ. And you live good and righteous lives by having the righteousness of God imputed upon you through the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
Sister Bag, if you could come. And last, you have the crown of glory. This really is a minister's crown. In 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, it's, it's, it, 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 the, uh, uh, most interpretations call it the elder. Uh, the original Greek is presbyter. In, in, in Peter, it, 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 it's about those who minister. Those who minister. Preachers, Bible study teachers, Sunday school teachers, missionaries, those who teach the word of God. Amen. It, it, it signifies the importance of bringing others up in the ways of God. Not just converting them, but bringing them up in the ways of God. It's a crown of glory. Church, we can't afford to give up these crowns because they belong to Christ. Praying, holding fast to the faith. Let's stand this morning. Church, I am not discouraged today. Because I serve the King of Kings. I serve the Lord of Lords. He's defeated everything. Amen. Look out, world. Look out, devil. We're on the winning side. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> Even so, please come back, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to see you. I want to be with you, God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, bless this church this morning. Oh, God, we lay our crowns at your feet. You are the king who has defeated everything. You've defeated it all, Lord. Hallelujah. And we acknowledge it. We praise and adore you. We love you, God. We extol you, Lord. You are...